Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde, I'm here with Toby Puisever. Hello Toby. Hello there. This week we're mostly going to be talking about the situation at Manchester United. Uh, I'm sure Gary Neville's name is going to come up, but also uh, whatever's going on with Ten Hag. Is he to blame? Is it the Glazers? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But we're recording this hot on the heels of the Ballon d'Or ceremony. Uh, yeah, so Messi's won his eighth Ballon d'Or. Would you have given it to him? I don't know. I don't think any of us really understand the criteria for the Ballon d'Or because it kind of is linked to the Champions League, but then there's a World Cup year, so it's linked to the World Cup. Uh, I think Messi is the greatest player, certainly of our generation, or that my eyes have, that I have set my eyes upon. So I will never really have an issue with Messi winning the Ballon d'Or, personally. Uh, but looking at the records that Harlem broke, but then equally, Harlem didn't have a better footballing season than Messi, really. Well, he did win the treble. Yeah, this is my issue with it, is that like Holland and Rodri have basically done everything they can. They've been brilliant all year at, at their specific jobs. Holland's smashed the goal-scoring record. City have won the, like, is the treble. It's not a treble. It's the Champions League, the Premier League and the FA Cup. There's nothing more they can do without... You know, like Messi's won the World Cup, basically, that's it. Yeah, I think of the two, it's it's between Messi and Rodri, you know, which kind of sounds nuts, but I just don't... I get that Haaland's a great footballer, but he also sort of isn't a great footballer. Does that make sense? Is that... I mean, that makes sense, but it's kind of stupid to say, but... He has quite a narrow skill set that he's very good at. Yeah, he's an incredible athlete, there's no doubt about that. And he's a fantastic striker. There's no doubt about that. But he's not a complete footballer. And I know it's not the competition of who is the most complete footballer. But to be honest, I think if you take Rodri out of the team, which we've kind of seen in the last couple of weeks, or if you take Haaland out of the team, I think they're hurt a lot more not having Rodri in the team. I think Haaland is... You might not replace the exact quantity of output, but I think you're going to replace what is required to still do exceptionally well and go exceptionally far. Um, I think if you don't have Rodri, you're, you're not getting nearer trouble. But I still think, you know, if you if you want to give it to Messi, I think at the end of the day, it can't really be disputed with. Um, something that I haven't been able to complain about yet because of the audio is Fabrizio Romano leaking it all early, though, which I just think is... I don't know. I don't get it. It's like, I don't know. It's like attention seeking. It is attention. He is simply an attention seeker, actually, really, because he gets paid by having the attention on him. He tweeted the rankings for 20th to 10th. I think it was about an hour before it came out, sort of during the ceremony. And, you know, it is a bit weird to be sort of looking at the, the live feed on the BBC for the ceremony and then them being like, oh, yeah, here's this stuff that already came out ages ago. But at the same time, those positions just don't matter because you're talking like one or two votes are deciding, you know, where anyone's coming. Yeah, um, but but he did announce that Messi had won it as well. He did. I didn't know if that was just like arrogance though or not. If he was just like, oh yeah, Messi's going to win. Because Messi was like the absolute favourite by a mile. Right, so maybe it wasn't official, but he was just banking on it happening so that 
it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was like something like thirty times better odds than Holland or something crazy. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize. Yeah, well, well, I mean, what what are your thoughts on the Ballon d'Or? Do you like it as a ceremony? Do you like it as a competition? Honestly, just the timing of it baffles me as well. I can never really wrap my head around what's happened in the year to to really remember who should get it. Yeah, I didn't really watch that. I'm not sitting there watching the whole thing. Um, I, I'm not one of those people that hates award shows. I typically really enjoy following the Oscars. Uh, I've watched that. Uh, last year and that's fun with with football I don't know I, I feel like the Ballon d'Or has been it doesn't have the same weight I think as winning like an Oscar does I think people generally don't really care especially because it's football and the teams are winning trophies anyway uh, and with the Messi and Ronaldo thing unless you're like a fanboy you're not really going to be that bothered it's like one of these two guys is going to win it for the last whatever 15 years um, so yeah, I don't know. I I did watch a bit of the ceremony when it was the Novak Djokovic uh, sort of farce and uh, didn't really put a, a great impression on me. It was a bit awkward. No, I, I saw some clips from that and stuff and the situation surrounding it. Yeah, I think I think the Messi Ronaldo show has maybe killed it in recent in recent years, and also it's just a little bit. I don't know. Like you said, there's so many actual kind of other trophies and competitions that are far more sort of tangible to uh, to look at well fundamentally it's an individual award in a team sport and that's never going to really truly reflect what you might want it to and even if you've got a clear idea of who you believe the best player in the world is it's all this buts and maybes because it's constantly and this is why we love football right because you can say well what if this player's in this team and Oh, well, if they didn't have him, then they'd they'd fall apart. So, you know, it's why we love it. But I suppose we love it because it is open. And as soon as you try and bring an individual award that that seals who has been the best that year, maybe maybe it takes away some of the charm, you know? But I think there is a lot of, like, kind of awkward decisions in it as well, where it's like... Once you once you are following like specific teams and leagues, I mean, going back a bit, just the fact that Henri never won one, but then you look at like the year Modric won it, and then this year, just things like I'm looking at Erdegaard's position and Kane's position, and they're both below Kevin De Bruyne, and it's like, well, these guys just didn't watch the Premier League last year. Alison Becker, not in there at all. Not yeah, in the like top ten. Bunu is better than him because he had a good World Cup with Morocco. Yeah. But this is Alison Effin Becker we're talking about. I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm completely blinded, but for me, he's hands down the best goalkeeper in the world. Maybe I am just being blinded, but I think it's like, genuinely, I think it's pretty straightforward. He's definitely a top 10, but it's the awkward thing where it's like Edison typically plays for Brazil, doesn't he? So... Well, he has recently more. Usually, usually it is Alisson. I think Alisson's a far better keeper okay. than Edison. There's no doubt that Edison gives you like a tremendous amount of quality <clears throat> with his feet and the kind of what he's what he's giving you in the game. There are huge positives there, um, but for me, in terms of complete package, it it would always be be Alisson. Uh, and he's been like 
I think he's been the best shot stopper in the league. Um, yeah, like he's, he's it's, it's nuts the difference. Actually, if you look at the jump down to second, it's like five goals or something like that. Five or six goals. So you're talking about the guy that is the second best with his feet. Like Edison is just some of the parts he does is amazing. But at the same time, like Allison is maybe more consistent than Edison. So it, yeah, it, like Allison definitely has to be in the top ten in, in the world. And uh, yeah, you just can't understand how football journalists are making these decisions. Yeah, it just it just takes away from the actual... I don't know. It, it, then, okay, I've got some stats for you. So he's saving 11 goals. Well, 11.4, so nearly 11.5 goals more than he should do. The next is the greatest keeper in the world, apparently, Emiliano Martinez, uh, who is saving four goals more than he should be. That's in the league 23-24 season, I believe. So not actually dating back that far. Okay, well, it's not a World Cup year or a other year. It's going to be, it's an AFCON year, I guess. Uh, so we'll see who wins it next year. Who do you think it'll be? Do you think it'll be Holland? Yeah, let's go for Holland. Who'll win it? Uh, no, I think it'll be... Harry Kane. Jude Vinicius Belly. Jr. JB. All right, you heard it here first. It'll be, it'll be JB. It's coming home, and we're going to be calling it Ball of Gold. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Golden Ball is what I should have just said, not Ball of Gold. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Jude Ballon d'Or, Jude Ballon d'Or, Jude 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 Ballon Ballon d'Oringham, Jude Belling d'Or. Kind of works. Jude Jude okay. Ballon d'Oringham. Let's move on to Man United, who... <laughs> Thank goodness uh, for that. Speaking of Manchester City players, like uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, what? Uh, Manchester United lost to Man City uh, 3-0 in the biggest game of the season, as some people call it. Yeah, we had the big one. We had the Manchester derby, hey? Um, did you tune in, Sam? Did you tune in? Ah, uh, yeah, for a certain amount of time. Oh, I knew you wouldn't have watched the whole thing. That's that's a very much a you thing to do. I feel. <laughs> well, I turned it off. I was like, wow, this this penalty wasn't great. And then you know, once it's a big game, and then City are just like in their groove, and it's just they're going to be scoring lots of goals. You know, I can see what's coming. When United go two 0 down, I'm like, well, why am I going to watch the rest of it? Like, these guys aren't coming back into it. Is it time for Ten Hag to go? Is my first question out of nowhere there for you? Uh, well, it's one of those situations where I'm going to take a very, um, a very on the fence position, indecisive point. Yeah, because I do feel like obviously the United squad could be doing better than they are, and I think Ten Hag is not doing perfectly, and he's getting things wrong and part of that is to do with his transfers as well but at the same time I don't necessarily blame him for everything um, you know I think the fact that they don't have uh, they don't have a sporting director is costing him a lot um, I'd, I don't know I think it, it's, it's so hard because um, people are talking about the style of play as well aren't they and uh, I'm just like, I just can't believe that it's Maguire and Evans still. And it's against Man City. And <laughs> yeah. like, 
I didn't captain Holland in the FPL this week, basically. And then as soon as I saw that United lineup, I was like, oh, I completely forgot that's who they're playing at the moment. But it's also like, how do you expect them to play out from the back with those two? You've got Onana, who's this amazing ball-playing goalkeeper, and he's given it to like two of the most British centre-backs you could have, you know, from the good old days. Um, it's it's just like destined to fail. I mean, like you know, it's it's just there's so much wrong at United with with injuries and transfers, and I don't know. I just feel like if you get someone else in, I don't know who that would be, but are they going to do that much better? The co- uh, it's it, yeah, it's uh, obviously I, I I agree. I I think you know who do you bring in, and and ultimately the culture seems rotten. Right, and when the culture is rotten, you can have a clear out of players, yep, but it seems to be that the the rotten culture is because there's been a, an enormous turnover of players there's been there have been new managers. I just think the weight of the shirt. Or I, I don't know if it's the weight of the shirt or if it's an ego thing, if it's a right, I'm at Man United now, I've made it. I know there's talk of other clubs having like no d- policies. I don't know if I can say that in this, but like... <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> well, that's that's what they call it under Klopp. They call it a no d- policy. Can you find a different word, please? Well, I, that's the word, I'm afraid. But I just, I don't understand how... They can have such an such a, a, a like a a turnover of of players because we're talking way we're talking way back, you know. The, the, Man United, whoever has gone to the club, has become poisoned by Manchester United Football Club, and it's so baffling. It's completely irrelevant who they bring in. It seems because they are just doomed to fail, and it, it really is like an incredible kind of social experiment. I don't understand it. There are clearly structural issues at the club due to the Glazers. And I get what Gary Neville is always banging on about. Here he is. But other clubs have been in messes and at least have a structure on the pitch or at least have a recognised way of playing or a game plan that's seeing them through or, or just success in winning games. I don't know if... I think the name Man United is causing a few issues. One of them being that teams will set up a certain way against Manchester United because they're Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could always do well against the bigger clubs and not well against the smaller teams because he was good when they were the underdog. But the natural order of things and the globalisation of the brand Manchester United mean that you're very rarely the underdog. Now, on top of that, it seems to be that players come in and think that they've made it. And think that... Uh, and Well, I don't know, but from the outside looking in and the amount of players that go there for big fees for um on big wages from the off and really lead to players who have proven very little then are completely set and don't need to do anything i'm i'm talking about you know your Anthony's. man united are not a stepping stone club you know 
so they've got to they've got to buy the right kind of players who are at a place where they can give their all for their prime years and if you're content coasting you'll still get paid but you're not going to be successful and i don't know if there's an in, an improper culture but but i don't understand how there could be with the amount of different managers the amount of different players i don't know it seems that every player that goes there becomes kind of rotten um and yet i don't know what they do to stop that because they've exhausted most of the possibilities apart from literally the Glazers selling the club but I don't see what that changes I I I get that it can the club can be better run and you know better structures can be put in place but there is still a fundamental level of failure that I think is isn't really linked it's all linked but do you, do you see what I'm trying to say yeah well it's just like it's it's just the direction of the signings in a way as well. United are never a team that is going to struggle for bringing in, you know, having money to spend on transfers and sort of, you know, it's the 80 million on Anthony, the 70 million on Mount, Sancho, 60 million on Casemiro or whatever. Like they, they just always do this. Um, and there's just no one to actually... No one behind the scenes to make signings with a direction. I think you have to compare Man United to Arsenal um, in a lot of ways um, because this was kind of what Arsenal were going through a few years ago, where it's your you're dropping out of the top four, um, and Arsenal had this problem where they'd spent quite a lot of money, obviously not Man United money, but they they spent money on sort of your Mustafi and. Um, this is a time when we're spending all the money on Ozil's wages and all that. Um, and there was just this same negative culture around the club. Like, everything just seemed to be bad. Everyone seemed to be unhappy. Like, the the players just didn't seem to be doing everything they could. Um, and so what Arsenal did was, this was the era when Unai Emery was the manager and uh, Sven Mislintat uh, originally was... Um, technical director or something like that and then it was uh, Raul Sanlehi uh, I forgot to mention Nicolas Pepe as well who was a big transfer that is probably quite similar to the Anthony one where it's buying a successful winger at a certain level in Europe paying a lot lot more than the market value uh, and then it not working out um, so, but what happened was obviously totally different um behind the scenes set up at Arsenal now uh, they brought in Arteta halfway through the season uh, Raul Sanlehi left I'll, I'll say uh, watch the David Ornstein video about him it's very interesting um, and then they brought in Edu and then there was like a bit of a better relationship with uh, Vinay who's just left actually and then the relationship with the board changed because it was Josh Kroenke became a lot more involved the Cronkays um, took over basically the whole of the club. They had the majority control now. Stan Cronkay like designated everything to his son, uh, and so you, you built this really good relationship with Arteta, Edu, and Josh Cronkay uh, with support from Vinay. 
And you just see what we have now. As soon as Arteta came in, though, he um, was trying to play how he wanted to. And, you know, people say Arteta finished eighth in the same season. He was rescuing a really bad situation where we were saying, like, could Arsenal actually get relegated? I mean, they wouldn't. But that was the situation at the club. The conversation was still being had. Yeah. Or, or like the jokes were, even just for the jokes to be able to be made, you know, things are going badly. But the, the fact that Arsenal changed everything, they seem to get everything right, has led to where Arsenal are now. And it's, it's it did take time, obviously, because you've got to get rid of all these players that are wrong for the club. They don't have the right mindset or whatever. I'm talking uh, particularly Lacazette and Aubameyang. There was a lot of a lot on them in in our attack, along with Ozil, and then it just worked really well for a while, and then didn't seem to work. Um, and then you got to remember in Arteta's second season, he, he finished eighth again, but the football was getting better all the time, and I think that's what you'd. I, I think that's the thing that you need to see from United. I'm, I'm not sure if the football is getting better, but it's, it's because I don't know. That's the thing I I would criticize Ten Hag for is. How is he making the football better? And then can we get a technical director in to bring in all the signings to make them actually good? Yeah, I think I think we have to appreciate the job that Ten Hag did last year. You know, um, it was impressive. They did finish third. They did win a cup. Now, there were times within last season where they looked frail still and they looked a bit all over the place. Um, you know, heavy defeats away from home, especially to various different clubs. Um, but it felt like a, a building block. It felt like a foundation. It felt, you know, a little bit. I mean, look, you were caught up in your Arsenal whirlwind and thinking that you could go and and, and win the league and challenging and things like that. But but for me, you know, Liverpool performing poorly. And then United doing well. It was all compounding together, if you like. It, it was compounding the fact that Liverpool were doing badly because I was watching United climb the table. Now, look, we put together a run at the end and, and aren't a million miles away from catching them, certainly putting pressure on them. But you have to give Ten Hag the credit. He got them Champions League football. He won them a trophy. Like He, he wasn't going to be doing much more than that. Um, in terms of expectations, he absolutely nailed it. And I think it would be fair to say... Some games you'd watch them and be like, this is an intimidating prospect. Or some runs that you'd see them go on, you'd be like, this is an intimidating prospect. Um, but this season just seems... Seems pretty pretty bizarre, honestly. I mean, like, mate, the curious case of Mason Mount, I, I couldn't... Uh, now, I'm not sure Mason Mount has really been a an exciting player for a couple of years now. But he's definitely had a certain degree of talent and, and work rate and and pushed him well, himself into, you know, very real England starting 11 debates. Um, yeah, I, I just... They, they are a mess, but they do sometimes do things that look like they're nearly going to be the right decision, but they always manage to to make errors despite that like like Casemiro for example it was like last year you're looking at it you're thinking at times you're thinking oh maybe there's a bit of a coup there and then when you kind of zoom out and look on the whole level the number of 
bookings, red cards, suspensions. Uh, the fact that you've spent that, the the how expensive he is, and the fact that he's like thirty two years old. So you're signing a player for about I don't know fifty mil, and you're going to have to replace him in a couple of seasons anyway. Um, it's like they're nearly doing the right thing. Well, not even nearly doing the right thing, but they show glimpses that the, the decision they made isn't completely mental. And then it does, you do get the kind of reassurance that no, it is completely mental. And kind of the juxtaposition between last season and this season is kind of like a bigger version of that, of last season, but looking at signings or looking at the way they were playing at times and being like, can this last? Can this really last? Are they good? Are they doing okay? Are they kind of back? And being like, I don't think so. Anthony, I'm not seeing a huge amount of output from him for a lot of money. Casemiro, a lot of money and a big name, but he's old and a lot of suspension. All of these kind of things. And sort of Rashford virtually went for a patch of scoring with basically every shot that he was having at one point. There were a lot of things that were unsustainable, but you're thinking, well, hang on, are they really going to make this sustainable? And then, boom, this year comes along and it's kind of the... It's, it's, it's kind of the reassurance again of like, oh, yeah, no... That was a one-off, rather than a a step on the ladder. Um, so so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really tough one to judge. I don't think you can sack Ten Hag purely on last season's two things. Last season's um, success in quotation marks because really is that successful for Man United? I mean. Yes, but no, because it is because of where they've been, but it isn't in terms of their ambition. And the other thing being, who who do you get in that's going to do a better job? Because it seems like the impossible job. So it seems like a waste of time having a turnover in managers when there are so many other things that are wrong. But then equally saying both of those things, he's clearly the one thinking that it's a good idea to spend 80 million on a player like Anthony. So you've got to, question his judgment as well to a degree there and how many more times is he going to ask for 80 million for I don't know a worse winger than Andros Townsend is is Anthony the best winger called Anthony in the league is he better than Jaden Anthony uh I'd, I'd, what what league is Anthony Knockart in these days oh I don't really like Anthony Knockart um Neither do I, but he doesn't have to. And he doesn't have to be particularly likable to, to to rank above true. Anthony. I will say about Marcus Rashford is that I am getting a little bit of the Aubameyang vibes. To be honest, he seems to go missing a lot this season, and uh, that's a big concern because he's um, although he's a boy from the uh, you know one of our own, uh, he's on a lot of wage, and um, I don't know. You got him and Sancho. If I met Marcus Rashford, I'd walk up to him. In fact, I'd march up to him. I'd grab him by the lapels, I believe they are. And I'd give him a firm shake whilst maybe shouting at him. Is that an Arctic Monkeys reference? What's going on? No, it's not. I just would like to grab him by the scruff of his collar's shirt and just shake him. it's It's very close, isn't it? I think if you released that as a single, um, you'd be in, in some legal trouble. Let me grab you by the lapels. Shake you like a bell. Right, anyway. 
my point is, well, uh, okay, little humble brag, went to Wembley, Sam. Wembley. Did I tell you this? Uh, no. Have I not told you this? But I, I did see it. I did see it. Uh, I went to England versus Italy, where he scored a goal, got an assist, I believe, as well, put in a marvellous display, if we are to look at the figures and the stats and that kind of stuff. But he is the most infuriating player in the world. And don't get me wrong, at times what he's doing is good and it's infuriating, but it is ultimately, you know, good. But, ah, he picks it up. An overlapping run, you know, goes round him, a selfless run. He's not fed them because he's just running, he's cutting inside and he's... Dipping, he's dipping that kind of shoulder and foot in to to strike it on that on that angle that he wants. But he's just blasting it into bodies, and he's just or he's just running into corridors to the point where he's he's chopped in for so long, looking to make space for a shot that he's ended up on the right wing essentially. Um, there's just so many. Uh, there were just so many instances watching him where it was just frustrating. And and he's a player who has so much. There's no doubt about that. But he doesn't seem. There were times last year where I was thinking, right, Ten Hag is the real deal because you've got a raw talent like Rashford who's probably not had the management he's maybe deserved all of his career and in, in credit to him has stuck it out and stayed with United and been a, a Manchester you know, a Manchester boy. Um, but there were times last year where he was, you know, on his purple patch, on, a, on that vein of form and we, I was thinking, no, you know what? Ten Hag is a good coach. Look at what he's done with Rashford. Look at what he's got out of him. Um, but now that all just seems to have gone. And was it just covered by numbers and just the fact that everything he was touching was turning to gold at the time? Or, or was it, you know, fantastic coaching that just injuries and a change of personnel through through transfers or whatever has not quite been able to rediscover? I don't know, but he just seems so far away from someone who's going to carry United through um, a few games, um, it's it's difficult to know where he where where his career is going to go. Really, it's just his wage, though, isn't it? Like, how are they going to get rid of him? It's the same with Sancho. Like, it's not it's not the same because you want to play Ten Hag wants to play Rashford. He doesn't want to play Sancho. But yeah, when you just got these players on such high wages. This is the problem Arsenal had as well. Like Maguire doesn't want to go to West Ham for for what is deemed to be regular football, whether it would be or not be up to him, whether he can take the chances he gets. There's no doubt about it. It would be he's not just nailed on for starts. But why does he not want to go? Because of the money. Why is he on so much money? Well, he cost eighty five million and and became club captain. Who authorised that? Yeah, I mean, you know, this could be Chelsea in a few years, but. Uh, I want to talk about the captain as well because uh, I think Roy Keane again has been criticising Bruno for being a bad captain. Uh, I imagine you agree with Roy Keane on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think there's nothing that you look at that is inspirational, is making you think, yeah, we're in a sticky spot here. Let me Let me dig in, you know. There's nothing that you can look at and makes you think, yeah, we're we're in this together, fighting for the same cause. You you just see a spoiled brat. He, uh, yeah. When the going gets tough, he's he's his toys are out the pram. 
and come on. This is Manchester United. Oh, okay this time. I always, I'm used to it being Gary Neville, but yeah, yeah. That's a nice uh, switch up. Um, I will say, though, I don't think that United really have a squad to play, you know, this Dutch total football that you might expect. So I think maybe, I don't know, maybe back to basics for now. I think Ten Hag needs to change something, try something else, which is what Arteta did in his second season is uh, be very good defensively and uh, go from there. Um, there is that kind of Manchester United ego that we spoke about where it's like you have to play good football but when you, you're looking at sort of your front five and the kind of work rate they're putting in I don't know there's only so much you can do I think until you can make smart signings yeah yeah I think I think that's absolutely true um I think there's a culture problem, there's an ego problem. I don't know if when, when, like I said earlier, when you make it to Manchester United, you think that you've made it. I don't know if it's even linked with the amount of brand deals and sponsors and the money that comes pouring in and how it's all about the brand rather than first and foremost being a a good and functioning footballer in a functioning team. Um I don't know. It seems like lots of things go to their heads as soon as they come through the door. And look, if they're being thrown sponsorship money, contracts, Adidas contracts, everything left, right and centre, it would make sense. Um, and I think it would also make sense because we've seen changes of managers. We've seen, and I know the owners haven't changed, but I think a change of manager should be enough of a shake-up to change the culture of a squad, especially when the squad is, you know, the amount of new signings that we see come through the door. The issue is I, I understand that a lot of them are on big uh, big wages and big fees, and that can definitely go to your head, especially when you've got everyone trying to get your signature for a brand deal. But it just it just seems like they managed to corrupt anything and everything that goes near the club, which is impressive, but very concerning, and makes you think, how will things change? Yes, well, they're currently losing to a Newcastle B team, uh, I'm going to call it, Uh, so it will be until Fulham on Saturday at the early kickoff, we'll find out, that is absolutely a must-win game, if they don't beat Fulham, oh boy. Wouldn't want to be Ten Hag. Yeah, absolutely. I think he could end up going because it could they're prone to rash decisions. I think it would be a mistake because I just don't. I don't think Ten Hag deserves the. Well, I think he deserves it off the back of last year, but I don't think there's too much reason for him really to keep the job. I just think there's a lot of maybe reasons against bringing in a new manager and just churning the cycle again and just you know going through it all again and and the man the managers always get backed which is why it's very tough in the market in the in the in the transfer window i mean it's not always a wise they're not i'm not saying they're wise signings or they're wise decisions but they certainly always get money thrown around so it, it then makes it harder when you're you know struggling so much they 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 create their own problems and they have been doing so for many years and it makes it very hard to to judge 
I don't like that Gary Neville can't criticise anyone because he levels everything solely at the Glazers. I can understand it. It's the easy way out. It's the cheap way out to just blame the one thing. But it seems like there are problems at every level of the club. I feel like I've seen the same conversation between Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville like five times in the last year. Um. Yeah, always after they've lost 5-0 or 7-0 or 3-0 to Liverpool or they've been smashed by City. Brentford. Or, yeah, it just seems like. Well, I hope we didn't uh, cover the same stuff again. Um, Regurgitate um, the, the same kind of conversation. I don't think so, though. I think it was, you know... Look, the problems are hard to work out because there are so many. They definitely stem from the top, but it doesn't mean that things could be solved along the way, and things could be far better than they are along the way. Um, Ange Postecoglou came in with Harry Kane leaving, and look, I'm we're not his biggest fans over here, but there's no argument. There's no arguing with the fact that he's doing very well in terms of points on the board. There was a large portion of the fan base who were Enoch out. They just sold Harry Kane. They weren't even. They haven't really invested the Harry Kane money. Yes, okay, the squad wasn't completely diabolical or atrocious, but it wasn't great. Um, it was set up in a kind of wing back system as well, and then you bring in a manager who wants to invert fullbacks. Quite different. And yet, you know, he's doing well. There's no, there's no. They spent quite a lot of money. Yeah, they have, but United do. Yeah, but they've got they've got revenue. I think. Well, yeah, Spurs do as well. Spurs Stadium makes a lot of money, to be fair. But it's, yeah. it's not a United level, is it? They um. No, no, it's not. It's it, not. It, but but people, we, we're not here to we're not here to dissect Spurs now. No, we're not. It's just to say. I'm just gonna say, like people always say that Spurs don't spend money for some reason. Like people still think that Spurs are like the sixth of the big six in terms of spending and they're absolutely not like they they spend as much as Arsenal um, more than Liverpool can I go through the Spurs transfers sorry just really oh quick. here we go I'm, I shouldn't have brought it up Brennan Johnson 55 mil euros Madison 46 mil euros Poro 40 mil euros Van der Ven 40 mil euros Kulisevsky 30 mil euros Vicario 90 mil euros Alejo Veliz, 15 mil euros. Uh, that's all this this summer. So they are okay. they are spending. I understand. They, no, no, no. They are spending. But the point is, there were issues in the squad. There was issues in the fan base. There was issues with the style of football. Of course. Um, and you know, we the way I have to listen to you think that Ten Hag is the only manager going through a bit of a struggle in terms of ownership and whatever, you know, the way that um, it's talked about, when when really it's nothing that special. They still have, like, the most revenue in, like, world football or, or certainly in England, up there with, with the other big two in Spain. Um, they still have... Well, sorry, City allegedly have that. But um, a lot of excuses are made. Or, or not even a lot of excuses are made. Some very big excuses are made. And it's not to say that they're not relevant, but let's not kid ourselves into thinking that they're, like, overachieving right now. Well, they shouldn't even be in this conversation because of the Glazers. Come on, 
stop being ridiculous. So I think what we're saying is uh, give it Giggsy to the end of the season. Um, we're saying Ten Hag out. Maybe bring back David De Gea on a free in as soon as possible. And, and play you'll be fine. And on a centre-back or centre-back. Oh, mid. yeah, great idea. And you've got to do the McTominay striker thing that Scotland are doing. That's all the rage at the moment. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see which of those, uh, which of our hot tips Ten Hag uh, takes up. Uh, next weekend <laughs> yeah lovely I'm looking forward to Inanna playing the sixth role I think that's covered a good amount of United the the building emerging situation of there over the last few weeks we now get to not talk about them for four weeks unless we're laughing at them yeah agreed is that a patch you can make <laughs> yeah sure I mean just gotta see what happens with Fulham I guess if t- if Ten Hag goes, we'll, we'll talk about them. We'll, that's, that's yeah, and also we're only going to be laughing at them, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we probably will talk about them. Okay. Uh, well, thanks very much, Toby. I'll see you next week. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, Sam. Oh, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.